Welcome to the Shalhaba Community Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. So just wanted to, um, to jump into the Word of God in a moment. We're going to go to Acts chapter 2. Uh, but we're going to look this morning what it looks like to love like Jesus loves. Amen? To love like Jesus love. And before I do, I'm just going to pray this morning. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity to share your word. I pray that you would anoint me, Lord. I surrender myself to you right now. I just pray that you would speak through me, Lord, as I'm speaking today. May you be speaking to people's hearts, um, to people's lives this morning. So we just thank you for this opportunity. Then everybody said, Amen. So really looking forward to preaching the word today. And uh, a bit excited um, about it. I believe it potentially will be quite a challenging word for people. But who knows it's good to be challenged by the Word of God. Uh, Three people on the left here. Amen. Uh, It's so good to be challenged by the Word. And I think that this uh, may be a challenge for us this morning. But hopefully what it will do is impact our lives in a positive way to help us to be more like Christ. Amen. And I want to talk to you this morning uh, about an idea that you probably haven't heard before or thought about before. And we've thought a lot about this, this thought here, why did Jesus come? Amen. Why did Jesus come? We have lots of thoughts around that thought there. Why did Jesus come? Jesus came that we may have life and have it to the full. I'm the only one going away tomorrow. You're not yet. Amen. Jesus came that we may have life and may have it to the full. Uh, Jesus did not come for the righteous, but he came for the sinners. That's another reason why he came. Jesus came to give his life as a ransom for many. Aren't we so thankful for that? Hallelujah. That's a whole message in itself. Um, Why did Jesus come? Uh, Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve other people. Amen. Don't you love that about our Savior? There is no other Savior like our Savior. There is no other Lord like our Lord. Jesus set an example far above anyone else on the planet when he lived. Amen. He didn't come to serve, to be served, but to serve. So we talk a lot about why Jesus came, but very few people ever talk about the thought as to how did he come. Amen. How did Jesus come? And we want to look this morning at not necessarily why did he come, But how did he come? Because that's a concept and a thought that we really don't give too much thought to. We know why he came, but the thought this morning is, how did he come? Amen. And you might argue with me this morning that he came uh, preaching and teaching and healing. That's correct. They're all the things that he did do. But I want us to look at a verse of Scripture this morning in Luke chapter 7, verse 34. Amen. Luke chapter 7, verse 34. It says this, The Son of Man came eating and drinking. How did Jesus come? Eating and drinking. He came eating and drinking. He came eating and drinking. In fact... You look at that scripture there, um, some of the people accused him of eating and drinking so much that some accused him of being a drunkard and a glutton. That's how much he came eating and drinking. And some of you might be thinking this morning, I had no idea how much I had in common with Jesus. You might be thinking that this morning. I had no idea we had so much in in common. But today I want to look at the imagery out of a a text in Acts chapter 2 this morning. Um, that, that Jesus came, uh, when Jesus came, how he came, he came breaking bread. How did he come? He came eating and drinking. You know, when we think about sharing meals and eating meals today, 
For many people, you know, the thought of sitting down for a meal together is becoming an unheard of thing. And hello, anyone out there this morning? When we think about sharing a meal and breaking bread together and, 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 and sharing a meal together, for many people it's becoming something that we do less and less of. But yet when Jesus came and broke bread, the way that they did meals and, and did life together was totally different to the way that we do it today. In fact, many families think of about having a meal together as going through the drive through at Macca's. Don't do it. Save your money, put it to something else. Some families can think about having KFC sharing a meal together as about having some KFC and sitting in front of the TV. You know, eating or sharing a meal today is nothing like it was back in Jesus' time. Listen to some thoughts about how they shared a meal, how they broke bread together. Um, meals in the, in the New Testament were an event that could last for many hours. Amen? They just sit and eat and share their lives with one another. They do it for many hours. Meals were a, a time where you would invite people that you love, sometimes people that you didn't even know. Get that thought there. Didn't even know them, but you invite them for a meal. The purpose back in Jesus' time was to have deep fellowship with one another, and there's a kind of divine nature to the meal. See, eating together back then was totally different to the way that we do it today. Amen? Many people believe that you truly experience God's best while you were eating meals. In fact, if you look at the book of Revelations, there are so many banquets and parties going on in heaven. Amen? So Jesus came. How did he come to us? He came eating and he came drinking. That's how he was doing life. And I want you to open up your Bibles this morning to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 verse 42 to 47 we're going to look at this morning. And remember we've said over the last few months, no longer do we put the text of Scripture up there because we want people to continually familiarize themselves with the Word of God. Amen. So just show me you've got your Bible there this morning. Don't feel bad if you haven't, or you know for next week, Cliff's pulling up his phone, that's good, you're allowed that. But Acts chapter 2, verse 47, we want to look at some imagery of breaking bread, or what we might say, having fellowship in community. So this verse of Scripture in Acts chapter 2, uh, verse 42, it says this, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all, excuse me, now everyone was filled with all the many signs and wonders performed by the apostles, and all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet in the temple courts. I want you to look at there just to see the fellowship and the commitment and the loving nature of the first century church. They were committed to hanging out and encouraging and being with one another. Amen? And it goes on to say in this next verse of Scripture, they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Amen. Do you see the depth of fellowship and commitment there? Do you see how, how the early church did fellowship and connecting with one another? And the question that we want to ask this morning, do our lives look like that? 
Just let you think about that for a moment. Devoted to a community of other people, so much so that there's this overflowing presence of God. I believe today that many Christians, not anyone in this building, of course, you're all perfect. You are, you're awesome. No question about it. May not be able to catch fish every time you go, but, amen? But many Christians have lost the concept and the importance of breaking bread, or we could say living in community. We've lost the importance of this. And many years ago, I read a book. I can't remember the author um, or, the, or the, uh, the name of the book, but I certainly remember the concept of the book and three thoughts that was a study on showing why or how um, this breakdown in living in community has taken place over the last, call it 50, 70 years, why people are spending less time together living in community. I remember when I was growing up, uh, that's a long time ago, but when I was growing up, when we went and did something as a family, there was the grandmother, the grandfather, there were the auntie, the uncles. I mean, if we ever did something, it'd be like 50 or 70 people. But I've noticed as the years have progressed, it doesn't seem to happen the same way anymore. It seems to be that we're all so busy. But this guy did a study, and the first thing that he saw had effect on people living in community was this thing called the air conditioner. Back in the day, back in the day before the air conditioner uh, was happening in our homes, people would uh, uh, experience a warm afternoon. So what would they do? They'd go and sit on the front porch or they'd sit out on the front grass of their homes, amen? And so they'd talk with one another. They'd chat with their neighbours. They'd chat with the people across the road. Can you, anyone remember that? I remember that, living in this little country town called Yarrawonga. Going back again to Yarrawonga. You linger longer at Yarrawonga. But I remember that back in the day. You used to get that hot there. We didn't have air conditioning. I don't think mum and dad probably could have afforded it anyway. But we would sit on the front front grass and we would talk to people but this guy's study found that no longer uh, do people connect with their neighbors because as soon as they get home they turn the air conditioner on and there's no need to go outside that was the first thing that he said that really affected this understanding of the importance of community and living in community the second thing was this the detached garage to the attached garage Years ago, the garages were separate from the houses, so you'd pull up into the garage, the detached garage, you'd get out of your house, and you'd have to walk a few steps to get to your house, amen. And in that little bit of distance, you'd probably see one or two neighbours, you'd give them a bit of a wave, amen. But what's changed over the years is now we have the attached garage. So we get about, oh, we try with our remote control to see how far away it works. I'm the only one that does that, okay. I've tried from here, it doesn't work. But, you know, we get around the corner, we push the button, the garage doors go up, and then we drive into like our bat cave. We push the button, and down it goes again. We don't see anyone. We don't have to talk with anyone. We don't have to relate to our neighbours or anyone around about us because we're just in our little bat cave. That's the second thing that he talked about. And the third thing that he talked about that really affected community and us living with a greater sense of community is the fence. Years ago, people didn't fence their neighbours out. Uh, they fenced in their yard so you didn't have to see their neighbours. Um, in fact, there's so many people today that lived in, live in gated neighbourhoods, amen. But years ago, I remember growing up, we'd have a fence, but it was only about that high, right around the property. You could see the neighbours. You could probably see into their, 
their rooms, I guess. But you know, as the years progress, we get higher and higher fences. And we don't even, even see our neighbors. We can hear them, but we can't see them. And these are some of the things that he noted about community and the way that we've lived and the way that community and that sense of connection, even in our streets and our neighborhoods, has changed so greatly over the last number of years. Amen. Think about it. The air con, garage door, big gated communities. So the thought is this, if you had enough money, you, you gated people out. You lived in a gated neighborhood to keep those people out and a fence uh, to fence the rest of them out. And you drove into the bat cave, into your air-conditioned home, so you didn't have to see anybody. Think about online shopping today. Pretty much, <laughs> pretty much you can stay at home and not have to talk to anybody today. Because you drive into your garage, you turn your air conditioner on, your big fences around, and then you get online and you do your shopping. We're getting more isolated all the time, but that's not the way that God created us to relate to one another. Certainly not the way that Jesus related with people as well. He was into deep intimacy and relationship, especially with his 12 disciples. Amen? All this really affected the way that we relate to each other. In fact, I just wanted to take the time. I made a revamp of Acts chapter 2 that I want to read to you this morning. Um, we read how it was back in the day of the early disciples. I want to read it to you this morning. This could relate to many Christians today. No, no one in this building, of course, because as I said before, but this could relate to many. I want to read it to you this morning. This is a revamp of Acts chapter 2. Are you ready for it this morning? Just give me an amen, brother. Amen. Thanks very much. Acts chapter 2, it says, The Christians were devoted to themselves, and occasionally they would go to church when they had time. No one was filled with awe because there were no signs and wonders performed by the believers. Very few of the believers were together, and they had almost nothing in common because they had no real time for each other. If they sold something, they used the money to buy something better for themselves. They ate on the run, they kept to themselves, and were too rushed to enjoy one another or give praise to God. They claimed to love God, but they didn't really love each other, and they felt very empty and alone. As a result, most people disliked them, and very few people were saved. What a different take that is on Acts chapter 2. But I just wonder today if that is becoming more like the church. You could probably say ouch this morning. Uh, that hurts a little bit. Maybe that's a, an over-exaggeration. But I just wonder today potentially if that could be how life looks for so many Christians today that aren't living in community, aren't committed to fellowshipping with one another and pouring into each other's lives. You know, today we live in a world that highly values independence. How many of you would agree? We value and we place such an incredibly high value on independence. I want to be financially independent. I want to be relationally independent. I don't want to need you. Our country all, almost worships independence. But listen to this thought. The problem is this. To be a follower of Jesus is the direct opposite of being independent. To be a follower of Jesus, to be a Christian, is actually to be interdependent. Hello? You need me and I need you. 
You cannot be a follower of Jesus and be independent. You cannot save yourself and you cannot make it yourself. To be a follower of Jesus means you and I are completely dependent on the grace of Jesus, the power of God, and truthfully the thought is this, we are to be dependent on one another because we are incomplete with each other without each other to be a Jesus follower is to be dependent upon God and upon his people how did Jesus live he came eating and drinking We really need a shared relationship with Jesus because we best experience the presence of God together in the context of community. So, little thought, two thoughts as I conclude this morning. How do we break bread? How do we connect relationally the way that Jesus did? Two thoughts this morning. The number one thought, I want to encourage you to share the love of Jesus with each other at church. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, it says this, And let us consider one another, how we may spur one another on to love and to good deeds. Let us consider how we spur one another on towards love and to good deeds. Don't you love that thought? Let us consider or think about one another, how we may spur one another on to good deeds. You know the word spur there means to incite. Really just, I won't shake you. I'll hurt you. <clears throat> Probably hurt me. Listen to that. How many of us are living like that right now? Don't put your hand up, but just wonder. Let us consider one another, you know, thinking about you during the week, thinking how I can spur you, incite you to do the good things that God. That takes a lot of energy and focus. You know what I mean? Like Saturday, Saturday, this is yesterday, all my days thinking about Monday, spending all my time thinking about it, cleaning the caravan, getting the boat ready, da-da-da, the list just goes on and on and on. I'm just thinking all day um, what I can do on, su- on Saturday to get ready for Monday. But Scripture there talks about us really considering one another that we would just spend time thinking about how we can stir them up. Love, that's the first part of the Scripture. But then the second part of the Scripture goes on. And it says this, Let us, uh, excuse me, Let us not give up in meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Side thing little thought encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching Um, (laughs) I don't know about you but I'm looking at what's going on around the globe and even in our country today thinking the stuff that we're seeing is the stuff that Jesus said would happen before his return I'm not you know to give you a um, trying to freak anyone out with end times but I tell you we're living in such an incredible time but it says in the verse here it says let us not giving up together as is the as is the habit of some listen to the thought this morning one of the biggest challenges today is that people are giving up on meeting together in corporate worship yeah 
In fact, probably one of the great concerns that, that church leaders would have is according to a studies in the States, the average Christian goes to church once a month. And they say that in Australia, the average Christian goes to church, well, that's a committed one, goes to church twice a month. And yet the Bible encourages, do not forsake the assembling of those as is the habit of some, amen. The best habit that you can build in your life, the best habit that you can build in your family is the habit of showing up. Oh, that's a pathetic amen. <laughs> Neil, that's pathetic. Come on. Hallelujah. Build the habit of showing up, not falling out of the habit, but falling into the habit. Because that's how when we come together, we, we get the opportunity to fellowship with one another, to encourage one another, to relate to God, but also to relate to one another. And, you know, I understand why some, sometimes it's difficult for people because we say that, that we're busy, right? The thought is this, if you trump church for something else, weather's bad this weekend, we're going to sleep in. Weather's nice this weekend, we're going to do yard work. I'm going on holiday tomorrow, it doesn't matter. I turn my emails off. All goes to Rachel. <laughs> we're tired, the game went too late, we're out of town. Listen to this. If you always trump church for something else and you never ever trump something else to be in the presence of God, maybe we shouldn't be surprised if our kids don't continue to follow God as they get older. As for me and my house, we will worship the Lord. Hallelujah. So the first thought is having that commitment to the house of God being here on a Sunday. Now, being in the presence of God, being in the presence of other, other believers, I believe there's something better to worship God, to share Jesus together and be committed to worship with Him together, to hear His Word together, not to reduce church to listening to a podcast. We do podcasts. We do. We love them. But podcasts are never, ever meant to replace coming here on a Sunday and exposing ourselves to the presence of God. When you come to church, when you're in that sense of corporate worship, when we all come together and we begin to sing, stuff happens in our lives. As we're worshiping God, our minds are being washed and renewed. Amen. Our spirit has been cleansed by the Word of God. I can't tell you how many people say, oh, I found it so hard to get to church, but when I got to church and when I left, I came in one way, but I went out another way. Why is that? The corporate anointing. Coming together, being the church as he's called us to be. So that's the first little thought. The second thought I want to encourage you to share the love of Jesus with a community of people, with a committed community of people. Let me read this as we conclude this morning, Acts chapter 2 again. It says, They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with gladness and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying favor of all the people. The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. If I could just have the worship team. They broke bread in their homes. They fellowshiped together and worshiped together in the temple. And then they break, broke bread in their homes. Not only do we need this corporate worship and this sense of connecting with God together as we meet on a Sunday, 
But there's also a great need for us to be a part of a small group of people as well during the week. The early followers did life together in what we'd probably call a connect group, a life group, whatever you want to call it. The early Christians not only saw the need to be together at church, but also to meet in their homes in a small group. To do this takes a lot of love and commitment. It means ordering my life around others. (laughs) That's such a challenge in today's individualistic community, isn't it? Ordering my life around others well why as we conclude this morning many of us would know john three sixteen. we mentioned it this morning beautiful verse of scripture famous around the world but not many people especially christians would be aware of first john chapter 3 verse 16 it talks about the level and the commitment of love that we're meant to have towards one another first john chapter 3 verse 16 It says, we know what real love is because Christ gave up his life for us. That's awesome, isn't it? Isn't it? That's awesome. But then it goes on and says, and so we also ought to give up our lives for our Christian brothers and sisters. That's Bible. What a challenge. Why did Jesus come? That we might have life and life to the full. Came to pay the price for our sins. How did Jesus come? He came eating and drinking. He came doing life with other people. He brought his best friends together and he broke bread because it's impossible to worship God as God deserves alone on our own. Amen? Can we bow our heads this morning? Thank you, Father. Father, today I'd ask that you would stir up our hearts this morning. You'd stir us if we need to be this morning out of our comfort zones, out of our garages, our fenced in air-conditioned houses. And God, that you would stir us to understand the, the importance, the power and the place of us doing life with one another. So Lord, today I just thank you. You are so awesome. You are so amazing. You are so gracious. You are so good. You are so kind. Lord, today help us today to see the importance of doing life the way that Jesus did. We know why he came, and this morning we look at how he came. Help our lives to be a reflection. May you challenge us during the course of this week about our commitment to your house on a Sunday, Lord. If we need to increase that to stir our hearts to make sure that we don't allow the weather or the lack of the weather or whatever it may be to give us an excuse. May we have a heart that says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And Lord, this morning, we may not be in a connect group, a part of a small life group, Lord. Then Lord, today, help us to be challenged to maybe say, well, it's time for us to get out of our comfort zone and to open up our hearts to a group of other believers as well. So Lord, today we just thank you for your word. Thank you for the example that Jesus has left us. He came eating and drinking, fellowshipping, breaking bread with others. Lord, may we follow in his example as well. And everybody said, Amen.